What's up, my kitty carryalls? Welcome to a fun-filled episode of Odd Pods of the Odd Broad. I am the Odd Broad herself. I am joined by my two little goblins, and I brought back a fan favorite. You wanted him, you got him. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present... Hello, ghouls and gals. It is me again, Nick Nitro. Joining us, this is uh, LJ's first uh, episode with us. So, like I said, you all know that Rue joins me for uh, some podcast episodes. Sometimes you hear my mom. And like you guys asked, you guys got Nick Nitro back. And this is going to be a permanent setting after what, the 28th. Yep. So, um, welcome to the second uh, se- episode of Season 5. As you all know, I started Season 1 with Albert Fish. Oh gosh, the details was. Uh, that was so wrong. I was laughing in the background the whole time. She was laughing. Okay, okay. So when we were doing Albert Fish, guys, she was making fun of his name because when he was in the orphanage, his real name is Hamilton. It's not Albert. So people. <laughs> they were calling him Ham and Eggs in the orphanage. <laughs> so guys. Yeah. So we are going to be looking into Gary Ridgeway. If you go- River Killer. Oh. So, my my ladies and gents, let's get this episode started. Please do. All right. So Gary Leon Ridgeway, also known as the Green River Killer, is an American serial killer. He was initially convicted of forty eight separate murders. As part of his plea bargain, another conviction was added, bringing the total number of convictions to 49, making him the second most prolific serial killer in the United States history, according to confirmed murders. He has killed many teenage girls and women in the U.S. state of Washington during the 80s and 90s. So. Oh, God. All right. LJ, let me ask you a question. Do you know the difference between a serial killer just a regular killer. Mm. No. No. Okay. It's just a regular killer. Should someone just kill somebody on a random, or someone they know a serial killer mm. goes by pattern. So there's signs to, there's yeah. signs and you know calling cards like for Jack the Ripper. No, the person we're gonna be talking about is Gary Ridgeway. There was the son of Sam. David Berkowitz. Dude, I did when I did David Berkowitz's episode. Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez. Eileen Warnos. Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. As you guys all the know. People Nomer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be on the shirt. Oh my god, Jeffrey Dahmer the People Nomer. I know somebody has got a shirt like that actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. So the thing with Jeffrey Dahmer, guys, is when I did the episode my episode on him, I was like trying to get every bit of information I could about the killings that he did and all this shit. But when I was watching a Netflix show, um, I noticed there was a lot of inaccuracies in the killings. Like, they didn't bring up some of the other people he's killed. Like, the only one, I think the only one person they left out was the... The and, Native kid. Yeah, the indigenous little boy. Yeah. The indigenous boy he did kill. And they never found his body because it's scattered in the woods somewhere. Yeah, the only reason why you killed, like, like, black boys is because he didn't think they'd be missed, so yeah. he was racist. Yeah it, yeah, it was kind of, like, a thing. It was, like, you kind of notice, like, different people in calling cards, and they're, like, um, 
the choice of victim is if they pick someone or kill somebody from like a specific race, like if it's just like mainly black girls, mainly white girls, Spanish girls, whatever, it's because it's that whole um that whole thing that they won't be they won't be missed. So there's like another whole topic to touch up on, like if we get on that part. So okay, let's get this shindig started. Oof. Let's do this. All right. So, Spanish crimes went from 1982 to 1998, confirmed possibly as recent as 2001. He was mainly um, large in the state of Washington in Oregon. He was apprehended November 30th, and he is he's imprisoned at Washington State Penitentiary, Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Is that a spider? Mm. Look. Is that actual spider? Yeah. Over 20 years, Ridgeway methodically raped and strangled scores of women, many of them prostitutes or runaways, dumping their bodies across the area of King County to refuse authority, or to confuse authorities. You know, he just scattered them all over. Yeah. Investigators believe that throughout his murderous spree, the seemingly mild-mattered Ridgeway never spoke to anyone of his killings or kept trophies of his grisly crimes. All the while, he maintained his longtime job as a truck painter at the Kenworth Truck Plant in Renton and married for the third time. Damn. So the thing is, when it comes to, like I said, like, like, my, uh, like Nick Nitro just mentioned, like prostitutes or runaways, that's what he specifically profiled. And, um... This is, like, coming from, uh, we got our news sources from, uh, news pages, Murderpedia, Wikipedia, and every other serial killer website we can find. And we actually have books, too. But, uh, throughout the, like I said, throughout the 80s and 90s, Ridgeway was said to believe to have murdered at least 71 teenage girls and women near Seattle and Tacoma, Washington. In court statements, Ridgeway later reported that he had killed so many that he had lost count. That's fucked. And the majority of the murders occurred between 82 and 94, or 84. The victims were either sex workers or runaways, who he picked up on Pacific Highway South. Wow. Ridgeway sometimes would show pictures of his son to trick them into trusting him. So you think he'd be like, can you help me look for my son? Basically, it was, um, it was pined out. It was premeditated. I don't know, like it says, sometimes so he showed women his son to trick him into trusting him. They would engage in sexual activity and after minutes of intercourse, from behind, Ridgeway would wrap his forearm around the front of their necks and use an other arm to pull back tightly as he could, strangling them. He killed most victims in his home, truck, or secluded areas. Most of their bodies were dumped in woodland areas around the Green River, Seattle, Tacoma International Airport, and other dump sites within South King County. Damn. In July of 1982, the first body of Ridgeway's victim was discovered. Children found the strangled body of Wendy Caulfield, 16, age 16, floated in Seattle's Green River. Over the following weeks, four more bodies were discovered in or along its banks. All women, all strangled. On August 15, three more bodies were found, and Detective David Reichert, or Reichert, I don't know how to say his last name. Reichert? I'm going to call him Reichert. Reichert, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Dave. <laughs> Detective Dave was one, 
was one of the first authorities to arrive at the scene. Marcy Chapman, age 31, was found in the shallow water along the, the, alongside the naked body of 17-year-old Cynthia Hines. Wow. And nearby in the undergrowth lay the body of Opal Mills, age 16, blue trousers knotted around her neck, breasts exposed, bruises apparent on her arms and legs. Jesus. Now, August 16th, 1982, a police task force is set up. Actually, the King County Sheriff's Office set up the Green River Task Force to investigate the killings. The body count rose as more victims were discovered along the river and along in the area around the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. Over the next two years, the Green River killers sexually assaulted and murdered more than over 40 women. Every time he found a body, it was like hit on the head with a baseball bat. Blackheart Time Magazine. Sick, man. This dude's so yeah, this dude's got a lot of fucking kills on his on his belt, man. I mean, this is actually this is actually a thing from the um. Well, okay, so here's a bit from his uh his uh, his guess his plea bargain whatever. Deputy Prosecutor Jeffrey Bayard noted in court that the deal contained the names of 41 victims who would not be a subject of state of state versus Ridgeway if it were not to be the plea agreement. The King County Prosecuting Attorney Norm Mailing explained the decision he, to make a deal. So the thing was, they gave him a deal to spare him from the death penalty. If he gave up his victims and whatever, he would also, like, um, you know, they would give him like a lighter sentence or not even a lighter sentence they'll just like not put the death penalty on the table so this is what the thing says we could have gone for it with the seven counts but this is all we could have ever hoped to solve at the end of the trial whatever the outcome there would have been lingering doubts about the rest of these crimes the agreement was to uh need the truth and the end the search for the <clears throat> the truth is still why we have criminal justice system. Gary Ridgway does not deserve our mercy. He does not deserve to live. The mercy provided by today's resolution is directed not at Ridgway, but toward the families who have suffered so much. In 2003, Ridgway told investigators he stood against a fence during his original 1983 questioning to Consul Scratchers Mal or Mabler had left his arm while trying to escape. Mavlar is actually one of the, or Malvar, I'm sorry, is actually one of the 18-year-old prostitutes that he killed. Ridgeway said, Ridgeway said he turned then he then burned the scratches mm -hmm. with the battery acid to disguise them once the detectives had left. It's pretty scary. I mean, to have to think someone actually premeditated how to kill someone and get rid of their bodies or even just damaging their face so they wouldn't be recognized. Nope. You have people literally pulling teeth out of, out of skulls just so they can't use dental records. You have people cutting off fingers toes, heads, everything. Like in the case of Luca Magnata and the one ice pick, one, one lunatic video, he cut off the head of Julian, took off his hands and feet and he actually mailed that shit to Parliament. <laughs> He's crazy, man. Dude. These people are nuts.
<clears throat> Already a person of interest due to his known association with area prostitutes, Ridgeway contacted police with the supposed intention of assistance. He then passed a polygraph test in, test in which he denied killing any women. Wow. That's crazy. He was questioned <clears throat> after after uh, Malvar because she was last seen by her boyfriend getting into a paint a paint patch pickup with a dark haired man about 30 to 40 years old four days later. Jesus. Police questioned Ridgeway at his home about his knowledge of Malvar whom he denied knowing. In November police once again spoke uh, yeah November of 1983 my bad spoke with Ridgeway about the murders but he denied any knowledge of the victims and authorities lacked evidence to connect him to any of the crimes fucker this is 1986 the police talked with ted bundy yeah so the thing is about ted bundy was that he actually offered to profile um the green river killer because even the shit that gary ridgeway did appalled ted bundy and we all know ted bundy was a lady killer so yeah crazy fucker with a few reliable leads in green river killer case authorities were desperate or desperate for any information to further the investigation Having read about the ongoing cases in the past, press convicted serial killer Ted Bundy wrote to Reichardt, offering his help in the case. Wow, so he wanted to help Detective Dave. So Detective Dave flew to Florida where Bundy was being held on death row. During discussions, Bundy reportedly advised authorities that the killer may be revisiting his victims' corpses and performing sexual acts on them. So he was a necrophilia. Yeah, a, hypoth- a hypothesis Ridgeway later confirmed. Mm. Okay, so here was like a thing I read in the book that I have. Um, it actually said when Gary Ridgeway was in the um was like in the Philippines during the wars and stuff, is that he would kill prostitutes and he would then like you know, like have sex with them when they were alive and then he would have sex with their bodies when he killed them. Yeah. So he, yeah, he was a he was a prolific nef- necrophiliac. In 1987, Ridgeway provides a DNA sample that would eventually be his downfall. Saliva. Because Ridgeway was the the last person allegedly seen with the two last victims. Police eventually searched his home and vehicles in 1987 in connection with the murders. It was at that time Ridgeway finally provided police with a saliva sample that would later tie him to the crimes. Mm-hmm. No, you can't knock up a dead body. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> dead children with a dead person? What's yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> children are already dead once they hit that body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. For Christ's sakes, child. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But due to insufficient DNA testing at the time, Ridgeway remained a free man for more than a decade. Jesus. Okay, it wasn't until March of 2001, DNA testing expands and connects Ridgeway to three murders instead of just the two. With new techniques and forensic testing at their disposal, investigators re-examined evidence from across the years the killer had been active. It It was a last ditch effort. Beverly Himmick, a Washington State Patrol Crime Laboratory forensic scientist, told the New York Times, We didn't have a lot to work with, but we went through a lot of evidence again. We rinsed the fingernails, we took the trace of evidence for evidence and swabbed 
the ligatures of for cellular, cellular material. With one girl, we were able to find a few sperm clinging to her pubic hair. But, yeah. Yeah, the thing with DNA is that back then in the 80s and 90s, it was still like a premature project, a premature... Um, it wasn't as high-tech yeah, as it is now. Like, I guess... Man, you can't leave nothing behind nowadays. Shit. Nowadays, it just from <laughs> like a single sweat cell, yeah. a hair, of a, a trimming of skin, anything like that can actually... Cold piece of clothing? Yeah, like... Fabric, you know, fabric, yeah. like threads, anything, like even cat hair, fiber, even a little piece yeah. of fiber. Exactly, like the like, technology back then is not as how it how it is now because back then it would take a months to years. Even to a have... fart particle could. <laughs> <laughs> Someone stench. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's it's I mean it's crazy because like in in ways if you look at it in a, in a certain way, it doesn't matter like with the um with the DNA t- testing and all that back then. It would take months to years, even decades, to solve murders. We could look at the case of uh, look at the look at BTK. They couldn't find who the killer was. BTK. BTA killer. BTK. BTK. You know, BTK stands for his blind torture kill. And that guy will be that that episode will probably be up on the weekend. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, man, this movie is so awesome. I can't wait to do this. I mean, yeah, because like I said, guys, I bring in my brother on to this as a permanent fixture since we will be moving home. And since the cat's out of the bag, a lot of people are asking me, are we going to, am I going to bring back Nick Nitro? And <laughs> the answer is yes, I am. Um, he was a fan favorite when we did the Eileen Warnos episode. <laughs> yeah, I was, I think that was my first one. That was, yeah, that was so Richard Ramirez was the first one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Richard Ramirez was the first one. And then we did Eileen Warnos. And then, yeah. So, November 5th, 2003, Ridgeway pleads guilty. And a plea bargain. Yeah. Oh, wait. I'm, I backtrack. I need to backtrack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. New DNA, new DNA uh, profiles. Uh, <laughs> new DNA profiles from three victims were compared with Ridgeway's. Thanks to the saliva sample he had provided in 1987, it was a match in all three cases. November 30th, 2001, police announced the arrest of the Green River Killer. Nearly two decades after the first murder, King County Sheriff Reichhardt announced that Ridgeway, 52, was arrested in connection with the four of the Green River Killer's early victims, Marcia Chapman, Opal Mills, Cynthia Hines, and Carol Ann Christensen, whose bodies was recovered in 1983. And November fifth, on um, on November fifth, two thousand three, Ridgeway pleads guilty, and a plea bargain that would spare him the death penalty in return for his confession and information regarding the details of the murders and locations of the bodies. Ridgeway will enter a guilty plea to forty eight charges of aggravated first degree murder. I've killed so many women, I have a hard time keeping them straight. Ridgeway said in his statement, admitting he killed most of his victims in his house or truck before disposing the bodies. Adding that most cases he did not he did not even know their names. Most of them I just killed the, the first time I met them and did not have a good memory of their faces. Explaining why he had chose women he thought to be prostitutes. Ridgeway said they were easy to pick up without being noticed. He knew they would not be reported missing right away and might never be reported missing. I picked prostitutes because I could kill as many as I wanted without getting caught. The nerve of that man. He's just... 
No shame in his game, right? For real, okay. (laughs) No hate on sex workers. You do your thing, get your bag, but be safe about it. You know, even... I mean, they're human, too. Damn. They're human. And yeah, you, maybe they're doing it because they need to take care of something of a, either salve, some family members. You never know. Everyone has their own fucking story and hardship shit. You know what I'm saying? No. So, you know, they're human. They're people. They, you know, might not be a career choice of your preference, but that's what they're doing to make get by, you know, fucking leave them alone. Ugh, sometimes people suck. <laughs> Yeah, they do. For December 18, 2003, Ridgeway is sentenced. For his crimes, King County Superior Court judge sentenced Ridgeway to 48 life sentences to be served consecutively with no possibility of parole. Damn. Damn. For nearly two decades after the first murder, King County Sheriff announced that Ridgeway 52 was arrested in connection with four of the Green River Killer's early victims. That's Marcia Chapman, Oprah Mills, Cynthia Hines, and Caroline Christensen, whose body was recovered in 1983. This was a quote for him, from him. I killed so many, yeah, I, like you said, I killed so many women, I have a hard time keeping them straight. I thought, I, I read that the wrong way the other day, my eyes are fucking tired. So I killed some women because I wasn't straight. Most of the time I killed them the first time I met them, and I do not have a good memory of their faces. Jesus. <laughs> so. He, he said, even I picked up, I picked prostitutes because I thought I could kill as many of them as I wanted without getting caught. Then, like I said, I'm <laughs> nervous, dude. Yeah, All right, man. so this is the victim list Wendy Lee Crawford, Caulfield. 16, Giselle Ann Lavar, 19, Deborah Lynn Bonner, 23, Marcia Faye Chapman, 31, Opal Charmaine Mills, 16, Terry Renee Milligan, 16, Mary Bridget Meehan, 18, Deborah Lauren Estes, 15, Linda Jane Rule, 16, Denise Darcel Bush, 23, Shonda Lee Summers, 16, Shirley Marie Sherrill, 18, Colleen Renee Brockman, 15. Alma Ann Smith, 18. Dolores Laverne Williams, 17. Gail Lynn Matthews, 23. Andrea M. Shilders, 19. Sandra K. Galbert, 17. Kimmy K. Pister, 16. Marie M. Malvar, 18. Carol Ann Christensen, 21. Martina Teresa Authorly, 18. Cheryl Lee Wims, 18. Yvonne Shelley Antosh, 19. Carrie A. Royce, 15. Constance Elizabeth Nayon, 19. Kelly Marie Ware, 22. Tina Marie Thompson, 21. April Dawn Butram, 16. Debbie May Apernathy, 26. Tracy Ann Winston, 19. Maureen Sue Feeney, 19. Mary Sue Bello, 25. Pammy Avent, 15. Delise Louise Plager, 22. Kimberly L. Nelson, 21. Lisa Yates, 19. Mary Exeta West, 16. Cindy Ann Smith, 17. Patricia Michelle Barzak, 19. Roberta Joseph Hayes, 21. Marta Reeves, 36. Patricia Yellowrobe, 38. 
Maria Mar- Rebecca Marat Morello, twenty, aden- unidentified female. White female, twenty two to twelve to seventeen, unidentified white female, seventeen to nineteen, unidentified black female, eighteen to twenty seven, unidentified white female, fourteen eighteen. That's the list of his victims. Damn. That's messed up. I mean that's just uh yeah. Six sinister facts about <laughs> Gary Ridgway. Okay. Number one, Gary justified his murder for, of prostitutes by town police. You guys can't control them, but I can. Number two, he often returned to his dumping grounds to have sex with his victims, like he said. He claimed he'd sometimes return to have sex with them for two to three days. To the, fu- to the flies cave. <laughs> They became with such a compulsion that he began burying their bodies rather than risk rest. Number three, Gary once stated that he killed so many women he lost count. Of course, just like he said. Number four, TV reporter Charlie Harger, who Harger Hager, I'm not. I'm just gonna call him Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, who interviewed Ridgeway, said that he described the victim's head falling off. Her decaying body with the nonchalance of someone talking about talk, talking their dog for a walk. Taking oh. the dog for a walk. What the hell? He has not um, he has not emotion about it. For him. It's like talking about what he had for dinner last night. There's no connection there. Yes, dude. Number five. He once said he avoided killing family members only because it would have been easier to get caught. Whoa. Well, that's kind of smart. <laughs> Number six. And the final reason, or final sinister fact. His second wife told police that Ridgeway would often take her to have sex with the Green River killer's bodies had been found. Wow. Like he was taking her back to where he, his stomping grounds. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard, I swear. Alright, guys, so here's the thing. Another factor for you Patricia Ann Yellowrobe was a member of the Chippewa Cree Nation. And she was. Re- yep, she was registered at the Rocky Boy Indian Reservation. So she was a confirmed uh, murder victim of the Green River Killer because they found sperm on her. That's fucked. And you know, we are advocates of the MMIW movement. And that's. Really upsetting because we have so many missing people and we don't know if they've fallen prey to, you know, serial killers or just very vile people in general. The strange thing about Jerry, Gary Ridgway is if you didn't know the de- depravity of, you know, if you didn't know the evil that this guy could have committed, you would have no clue you talked on the phone with him. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, like, take into consideration, like, um, Okay, say you're, like, in, like, the store, you bump into somebody, and they just look at you kind of fucked up. You never know they might be a serial killer or something. Like, they could be, like, buying supplies for their next fucking spree or some shit. You you know, you never know. Right. I mean, the dude, like... They would be like the dude buying chicken next door. Would be like being chick buying chicken right next to you. Might be like feeding it raw to some person. He's got locked up in a basement somewhere. Yeah. 
Hey, look, there's another list of um, suspected but unconfirmed victims. Read it out. Okay. Tammy Vincent, age 17, disappeared August 1979. Amina Akshif, age 35, disappeared July 7, 1982. Casey Ann Lee, Lee Woods, age 16, disappeared August 8, 28, 1982. Tammy Lyles, age 16, disappeared July, June 9, 1983. Kelly K. McGinnis, age 18, disappeared June 28, 1983. Angela Marie Gardner, 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 Gregor? Gardner, no, no, Gregor. <laughs> age 16, disappeared July of 1983, doesn't say the date. Patricia Osborne, age 19, disappeared October 20th, 1983. Martha Morrison, age 17, disappeared September 1st, 1974. Unidentified black female, unknown, disappeared December 1980. Christy Lynn Borat, age 13, disappeared October 31st, 1982. Patricia Ann LeBlanc, age 15, disappeared August 12th, 1983. Rosemary Curran, age 16, disappeared August 26, 1987. Darcy Ward, age 16, disappeared April 24th, 1990. Cora McGurick, age 22, disappeared July 12, 1991. Oh, my God. Yes, I mean, he is a fucking piece of work. I mean, if you look at him, he just looks like a normal dude. And then he has mm -hmm. the youngest victim is actually 14 years old. That's uh, Cheryl Limbs. Mm -hmm. oh, dude, it's just crazy. I mean... I mean, if you look at all, like, the, the, like, the, the documentaries about him, it just, like, all, all of them mention the same, like, he's got an effect, like, a fixation with, um, prostitutes. Yeah. But you gotta kind of, it's not only just because they won't be missed or they won't be reported missing, it's that even what, like, what I've learned doing this, this thing along the way is that they always have some kind of modus operandi it doesn't matter if it's because you know maybe it's something that got scorned like in the case of ted bundy he got broken he got dumped by a brunette woman with long hair who did he kill mostly long-haired brunette women yeah brunettes like, yeah that's right so same with oh fuck who does it only killed a certain certain type of you know women yeah <clears throat> I mean, if you look at characteristics, you have to actually mention the characteristics, too. It's like, you never know. They could be, like, I mean, blonde hair, blue eyes, and the killer would go after someone with blue hair and blue eyes. Like, looks at, like in Bundy's case, you know, and then he, after he started getting reckless, and that's when he went after everybody in that sorority house. Hey, did we ever do his biography first? Like, how, like, everything, like, his boy's birthday and everything? No, we didn't. Okay, well... <laughs> Gary Leon Ridgway was born on February 18th of 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. He had two more brothers and his, ch <clears throat> and his childhood was, well, let's say troubled. But no signs of abuse are reported. His father was a bus driver and apparently he used to tell Gary a lot of stories about whores and how they used to stay away from them because whores are bad. He grew up with these lessons he received from his father. 
His mother was told to be slightly controlled, and some believe that Gary may have been sexually attracted to her. Okay, there oh, you go, wow. the whores. The whores. The whores. The whores. His, his father was the root of it. There you go. That's the premise. Yeah, that, that, that's the premise. And then there's a psychological term for, like, kids being attracted to their their parents. Psychological. Let me look at it. <laughs> I can't remember the name. His I, teenagers were troubled as well. He wasn't the brightest in the school and was described as by his classmates as, un, as forgettable. No one knew exactly what was going on in his little mind. At age 16, he lured a kid into the woods and stabbed him. While walking away, according to the victims in Gary's own statement, he said, I always wonder what it would like to kill, be like to kill someone. The victim didn't die, however. He suffered a wound to his liver, though. Whoa. Yeah. So, when you said he had, like, sexual attraction feelings to his mom, mom yeah. it's called Oedipus Complex. It's a psychoanalytic theory, a desire for sexual involvement with a parent of opposite sex, and it come a concomitant sense of rivalry with the parent of the same sex. A crucial stage in normal developable process. I don't think that's fucking normal. I think it's gross. I mean, yeah, guys, if you got some shit going on, you're f- just, just say, yeah, you got some shit going on. Go get help. <laughs> <laughs> you can see your kids fucking looking at you like, leering at you like, hey, what's up, mama? You go fucking take that kid to the shrink, goddammit. Right. <laughs> so, like, before Ridgeway became all this, he actually graduated from Thai High School. In 1969, while he was still in high school, he joined the Navy soon after. Yeah, like you said, yeah, he was in the armed forces. He was in armed forces. After graduation, he married his high school girlfriend, 19 year old Claudia Craig Barrows. He then was sent off to Vietnam, where he served on board a supply ship. During the time he served in the military, Gary Ridgway engaged often with prostitutes. There you go. Mm hmm. When practicing unprotected sexual encounters. He caught gonorrhea. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> this led to contracting STDs, gonorrhea to be more exact, but didn't bother him as much as he continued to practice unprotected sex. Meanwhile at home, his wife engaged in extramarital affair, extramarital affairs as well. The marriage fell apart and ended. Jesus. That was the first marriage, yeah. Oh, his first marriage, my bad. Wait, what the fuck? Wow. His two first marriages resulted in divorce because of infidelities by both partners. His second wife, Marcia Winslow, claimed that he had placed her in a chokehold. Became, yeah, he became religious during his second marriage. Proselytizing door to door, reading the Bible aloud at work and at home, and insisting that his wife follow the strict teachings of their pastor. Okay, since he's from Utah, I'm just gonna fucking say it. Was he, <laughs> was he, uh, just like a regular Christian Catholic, or do you think he was one of those Mormon people? I think he was a, probably a Mormon guy because we actually, you know, you think about it, the Mormons didn't like whores. Like <laughs> <laughs> true, they didn't like whores. I mean, I was see what was I'm gonna Google it because I have I have to. What was? What was Gary Ridgeway's? I can't. I put Gabby. <laughs> Gabby Ridgeway. Religion. What you are? He's a Baptist. My bad. He's a Baptist. He's a Baptist. 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so to come to terms with that, you gotta remember if you're like some people of a fanatic religion can actually, you know, have some mental tweaks. I'm just saying. Because if you don't remember, I did do a cult episode on some religions. <laughs> I got some shit for that. I got I got I did get some harassing emails about that though. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> like, seriously. It's like, I called out. I fucking mentioned Scientology, and they sent me an email. No way. Fucking asking me if I was interested in, in coming in and doing an audit, an audit session. I'm like, fuck no. How'd you get my email, bro? <laughs> seriously. That's crazy. During his last marriage, he slowed down and killed far less victims. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. His killing seems to have started after his second divorce, slowing down significantly after his third marriage. That's kind of weird. Like, mm. <clears throat> See, according to the women in his life, Ridgway had an insatiable sexual appetite. His ex three, three ex-wives and several ex-girlfriends reported that he demanded sex from them several times a day. He often would want to have sex in public in a public area or in the woods. Ridgway himself admitted to having a fixation with sex workers with whom he had a love-hate relationship with. He frequently complained about their presence in his neighborhood, but he also took advantage of their services regularly. So he was a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> Some have speculated Ridgeway was torn between his lusts and staunch religious beliefs. Wow. I I kind of hate when they throw religion into it. Like, uh, I did it because Jesus told me to. <laughs> Joseph Smith told me to kill her. <laughs> the devil made you do it. <laughs> Lucifer. You know, he once went camping with his son and the remains of one of his victims. What the shit? Yeah. Oh my god! Like doesn't always tell the story. It's just, it's that is times. like a that's like a fact or whatever. Holy shit! That's yeah. fucking raunchy. Oh my god! That is insane. That is pretty scary. Okay. Ridgeway was placed in solitary confinement at Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla in 04. On May 2015, he was transferred to USP Florence High, a high-security federal prison east of Canyon City, Colorado. In 2015, after a public outcry, discussions with Governor Jay Inslee, Correction Security Bernie Warner announced that Ridgeway would be transferred back to Washington to be easily accessible for open murder investigations. Ridgeway was returned by chartered plane to Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla from USP Florence High in October 2015. <laughs> I don't know why they fucking moved him. That's kind of stupid. You know, they picked up three people before he was arrested. The first arrest police made was on August 20th, 1982. But while the suspect was in the real green story and green, green river killer, Abducted 16 year old Terry Milligan, a sex worker from a sea test ship. Wow. That's crazy. The third suspect was let go in September. Police picked up their second suspect, Charles Clinton Clark, who had been accused of raping two prostitutes. He confessed to the rapes, but while behind bars, 19 year old Mary Meehan disappeared from the, sh- 
from the script and was proof enough that Clark wasn't a Green River killer. Even though he was the rapist, finally in October that same year, a taxi driver named Melvin Wayne, a SeaTac strip regular, was arrested. That's three. He failed a polygraph test and yet again, while the police suspected was in custody, three more women were killed. Shonda Summers, age 17, Denise Bush, age 23, and Shirley Sherrill, oh, Sherrill age 18. So police let him go. Mm-mm. <clears throat> That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's just like two, it's, it's like one after another. Um... All these, I, I mean, I get, I mean, I you know how everyone's freaking like it's like a mass hysteria when you know they don't want to look for the people right away. He was actually leaving a double line, yeah. He was, he was like normal one minute and then fucking kill her the next. Yeah. I mean, make it make sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was, if if he could get away with that shit and live to a like a look at a BTK killer. Take take Dennis Rader for example. He lived a double life too. He was killing people, then going home to his family. His daughter found out he was a BTK on live TV. <clears throat> he was even seen missing with a missing possession. February twenty third, before Marie went missing. Police stopped Ridgeway and his pickup and the prostitute Kelly McGinnis. Ridgeway said they were on a date and police let them go. Four months later, Kelly disappeared and her body was never found. His van also matched the description of the car that picked up both Marie and Kimmy. <laughs> wow. Basically, they're just fucking letting him go. They didn't have to cops the fuck up. They should have been like, you no, know. Like, just, just, that's that. Look, okay, did you watch Dahmer? Yeah. Okay. Yo. Okay, so what happened with the fourteen-year-old boy? The cops fucking let him go. Yeah, because, because Jeff or well, Dahmer said that it was his boyfriend, and that he got too drunk, and so he lay him on the couch, and basically, the cops let him go. Just yeah, for saying that. Plus, yeah, because they didn't want to deal with any gay stuff. Like, they didn't want to bother checking, the like, the kid's ID or anything. The fact that he was naked running down the street. I mean, and some cops are like, I don't want to deal with that. Did you know that he kept his bo- the bodies in clusters? Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. No, Ridgeway. Yeah, Ridgeway did that, yeah. He did it because he wanted to, to keep track of all the women he killed. Trying to see what pile he was going to see, what was good and what wasn't. He would drive by the clusters around the county and think about the women that placed there. Jesus. <laughs> That's sick. That is sick. Oh my goodness gracious me, oh my. <laughs> Seriously. And he's currently rotting. Why couldn't some, why couldn't he just be like Nancy Kerrigan and take a knee? <laughs> For <laughs> Nancy Kerrigan. Why? I'm sorry, Tanya Harding. Tanya mm. Harding. I mean, I ca- Have you seen the, the movie that? I, Tanya? I, Tanya. Yeah. Oh, I she was just like unhinged. Her mom was no fucking help. Her mom was a bitch. 
Yeah, her mom was all fucking help, man. Shit. I was like, I was watching, I was getting pissed off at it. I was like, oh my god. And then it was just like one after another, one after another. Okay. Oh, wow. That was the Green River Killer. Gary Ridgeway. Dude's fucking just, ugh. Like, all types of gross. But we do know as the root of his fixation of prostitutes started with his dad. With his dad because his dad told him bad. Oh my god. It's like people who condition their kids to like hate a certain thing. Right. It's like you have to be careful when you have kids because they're like sponges. They fucking suck they up everything. It. Yes, they absorb any negative energy, any ne- whatever they Yeah. Crazy. I think as we as parents, we already we we know the dangers and shit, and we we're know like the dangers, the consequences of things, you know what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do. So we advise you parents out there, love your kids, because you know they're all we got. Teach them the right way. Don't yes. fucking lead them astray. And don't teach them like it's okay to hate and do this shit because it's not okay. Don't to uh, yeah. show them that show them how peace is more accepting than hate. Yeah, people are people. They're people are humans. They have feelings. They have emotions. They're valid. Just because you know skin color, race, gender, whatever, you know, shouldn't matter. Everyone needs to have that connection, quality, that quality. Yeah. Because it's bullshit when people fucking raise their kids to hate. I mean, I've seen. I like. I live. I live in a. Currently, I still live in a city, but uh, I've seen where a fucking fourth grade girl. Tells a little indigenous girl, you can't play with these black kids because you're white. Yeah, my kid's light-skinned. But, yeah, this little girl tells my kid she can't play with the black kids or the Mexican kids because she's white. So, my kid comes home demanding to know what the hell she is. Is that the one you're Yeah. Her dad is a fucking skinhead. He has a giant swastika tattoo in the back of his fucking head. And he was just, like, all... in, In the damn... Damn office, he was sitting talking so much shit, and then he looked at me and he was like, "Well, was that?" And I before he could say, I went off on him. I didn't fucking care. I had no fucking filter. I mean, that elementary school was kind of terrified of me. <laughs> I went toe to toe with the school nurse and some teachers because they were picking on my kid, and I I'm a total mama bear when it comes to that shit. Like, don't fuck with my kid. I'll I'll hurt you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't hurt you himself. He's new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like, oh my god. You shouldn't to be a killer. <laughs> no, we don't do that around here. Nope. We just hunt deer. We, just, we, kill, we, we kill for food. Yep. But not the, like the Thomas Brown Hewitt type of not thing. For yeah, we're not we're not the brown. We're not. We kill for survival, not for support. Yeah, we're not the Hewitts. Mm. If you got the reference, <laughs> we don't go to other people's countries and kill lions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, it's another thing. There's like a, like a whole bunch of animals that like what recently went on the extinction extinction list because of poachers and fucking headhunters because, ugh, those people disgust me. It's sad because it just you know, it ruins it for everybody. Yep. I was like, I was upset. Really, really sad. These motherfuckers. People like, like seriously, people need to stop. I mean, 
enjoy life instead of killing it. Fuck. It's not fun anymore. Yep. It's not. It's not war. Oh my gosh. Worse. Hearts still go out to the people in Ukraine. Yep. Heart goes out to Ukraine. Yep. Always prayers. Thoughts and prayers, blessings to all of you out there. And recently to the families in Raleigh. Um, so all the families in Florida. So families in Florida were coming from Hurricane Ian to the recent mass shooting in Raleigh to the families, uh, the, the the people, the family, um, families of the people who were um, unnecessarily murdered. Uh, prayers are out to you. I mean, there's a lot of bad shit going on in the world, and it, you know you just need to stop and. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. It's it's terrible. It's like we're living in a world where we have to always make sure our kids are are safe. We you know I shouldn't have to send my kid to school with a bulletproof backpack. Nope. You know. Yeah. So guys, this is the end of episode two. Tomorrow we may do either BTK or uh that one dude. I can't remember the BTK is do BTK. Is it BTK? Yeah, PT, B, PTK. BTK is tomorrow, if you guys we'll don't do know. We're doing the PTA tomorrow. We're doing the PTA tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be signing out. You can catch me on my socials. At, it's uh, at Odd Pods at the Odd Broad on IG, or It's Cyrus to You on Snapchat. You can also follow me on TikTok at It's Cyrus to You. Um, you want to add your socials or not? You want to add me up? It is Nick Nitro FB if you want to add me up. Instagram, it is Nick Nitro eighty six Jamesy Boy on Snapchat four two zero six nine. Hit me up. Yup, and this has been episode two of Odd Pause with the Odd Broad. This is the Odd Broad herself. You guys, don't forget if you want to start a uh, podcast of yourself, uh, download Anchor and you can start your own podcast. You also can get paid for that too when you uh, get sponsored. So, you guys can find this podcast on any other podcast from Google Podcasts, Apple. Spotify, Podbean, whatever you guys find your podcast on. This has been Odd Broad. Have a good night, guys.